Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. My name is Tim, and I'm one of the team leaders here at Ivy, um, along with a great guy called Oliver Davis. We lead what was Ivy Fallowfield that's been meeting here since December, and we are leading the church that's going to go back into the academy in, in October, and we're really excited about the opportunities that that's going to present to us to help more people find their way back to God. So we're really excited. But one of the things you really need to know about me is that I have a lifelong struggle with FOMO. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah? For the uninitiated, and by that I mean the lucky ones, (laughs) FOMO is the fear of missing out. Okay? And did you know that actually, in the last three years, scientists have discovered a new species of man, the FOMO sapien? I'm one of them. Oh dear, that's... Okay, Okay, we're not doing that on the live tour. But it's something we all experience. In a recent Time magazine article, it reported that three um, uh, three in four adults um, report suffering with varying degrees of FOMO. Okay, and a recent study defined it as the uneasy, sometimes all-consuming feeling that you are missing out, that your peers are doing or in the know about or possession of something better or greater than you. And it will come as no surprise that obviously social media has a large part to play in that because we're bombarded, aren't we, with the highlight reel of other people's lives on Facebook and Instagram that reinforces the sense that our life doesn't quite add up and due to this portrayal of reality that is all around us. So you're probably wondering, Tim, why are you telling me all of this? That's a great question, thank you for asking. Okay, because in the midst of the illusion of what is better and greater, okay, in the way that we see each other and the way that we portray ourselves to the world around us, there is something better going on. There is a story going on that is far better and far greater. And so what I want to impart tonight is a sense of holy FOMO. Okay, holy FOMO, you heard it here first. Okay, so the truth is there is something great. There is something better, something of far more infinite value, right before our eyes. But if we don't see it, we might just find out too late that we've missed out. Okay, it's not a Snapchat story. It's not an Instagram story. It's the story of the kingdom of heaven. And you know, for so long, I thought that heaven, maybe you thought this as well, that heaven was a place that when your number gets called and you pop your clogs, you get whisked up, and you go to a cloudy place where you play a harp, yeah? <laughs> now, I wasn't that excited about that, but that's how I thought heaven was like. But that couldn't be further from the truth, okay? Because Jesus went around, and what did he say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's now. And he told us to pray, your kingdom come. He lived with the expectation that heaven was here right now. And so the good news is that God doesn't want us to miss out. He doesn't want us to miss out on the story of who he is and what he's doing in the world. The reality of God's coming kingdom working its way through the world. And it's one day coming in totality and I pray that that's one day soon. 
but he doesn't want us to get to miss out. He wants us to get caught up. And so that's, that's the title of this talk tonight. It's Get Caught Up. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Get Caught Up. Okay. I really want you to grasp a hold of this. So I want you to tell the person next to you, like it's the most important thing they're going to hear today, Get Caught Up. Okay, great. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, so since the start of the year here at the evening service, we've been looking at the kingdom of heaven, what it is, and what does it mean for us to be a part of it. And we've been looking at different topics with Anthony, and Ben has been doing some teaching on the parables, and that's been amazing. Because actually, I realised, as Ben has been taking us through some of the parables, that I had so many of them wrong. And that's been incredible, because... What I've seen is just Jesus in a whole new way, his kindness and his love and his compassion, and it's just been amazing. And so it's a real privilege um, to be talking on the parables tonight. And so I'm really expectant that wherever we are in our relationship with God, whether you're here for the first time and you're just checking this out, I just want to say you're so welcome, and I really pray that God speaks to you tonight. And maybe we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and I, I really pray that God will speak to us tonight, and I'm expecting that he will. So, the parable that we're going to be looking at tonight is called the parable of the net, okay? And this parable comes at the end of a set of parables that Jesus was teaching the crowds, and they can be found in Matthew 13. But before we dive in, I kind of want to set up a little bit of background. In the previous two chapters, in Matthew 11 and in Matthew 12, leading up to the parables, you see these stories of growing division of how people, normal people like you and me, would react to Jesus. Some think he's amazing, and some reject him and don't want to have anything to do with him. And some are even reacting and try and want to kill him and don't want to know. And then in Matthew chapter 13, it records how Jesus goes on to share some parables to explain how different people react to the news of the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And the parable that we're looking at tonight comes not only at the end of that series, the climax of that teaching, but actually it comes at the turning point of the Gospel of Matthew where his Galilean ministry comes to an end and he begins his journey after this up towards Jerusalem that eventually leads him to the cross. So we're going to look at this parable and you can find it in Matthew 13. And in your Bibles it's Matthew 13, uh, uh, verses 47 to 50, and it's going to come up on the screen. Fantastic. Let's have a look. So once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. Okay, so it's quite a simple picture that we've got here. It makes sense. Good fish in the good bucket, Bad fish in the bad bucket, okay? Has anyone here ever been fishing? Okay, a few of us. Well, I've, I don't think I've, I have been fishing. I've had no success. But I was in Scotland last week on holiday, and as we were walking down along the seafront, there were these, um, there's this guy with a whole load of kids, and he was fishing and had all these really nice rods out. I was like, oh, that looks like quite good fun. And eventually, he got a bite on one of the lines. And the kids got really excited, and he started reeling it in, and they got really, really excited, and he was having this, this battle with the fish, and eventually it came up out of the water, and this silver thing was flapping about, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then he got it down on the ground, and then it was like, flack, and I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, I don't want to know how it gets from the sea to my supper, but there it was. Anyway, so picture the scene. 
The net was cast. They're bringing in all kinds of fish, not just one, but all kinds of fish. And then the time comes, and the net is full. And it's time to bring them in. And as they bring them in, they start sorting them out. The good fish from the bad ones. Tuna, good. Sardines, bad. Salmon, good. White bait, definitely in the bin. But here comes the punchline of the parable. Because at the end of what he's saying here, the climax of his teaching about who he is after the people have seen kingdom, the kingdom of heaven come through Jesus in the way that he healed people and set people free, after all the teaching about who Jesus is, what he's saying that this parable is the definitive statement about who Jesus is and what he has come to do and what one day will happen on the last day. And it says this, this is how it will be at the end of the age when everything is said and done. When God calls time, the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now there are so many types of people in this world, but one day there will be a judgment, a separation. And just like the good fish and the bad fish, so the wicked and the righteous will be separated. Jesus will get rid of everything in his kingdom that causes sin and everyone who does evil they will have no part in his kingdom. Now actually, this is good news. Let me show you why. How many times do we get angry about the things that are happening in this world that cause pain, that cause hurt, oppression, subjugation, dishonesty, lies, injustice? What about when bad things happen to good people? What do we do with that? What about what happened this week in Barcelona? or what's happened in London, or in Manchester this year? And what about when good things happen to bad people? That doesn't seem fair either, does it? But even when justice is brought, it never is as good as if it had never happened. And my question really is, like, what part should any of that have in heaven where God promises that there will be no more tears? And it's such a great comfort to know that if, especially if you're going through a really hard time, maybe you're experiencing bullying at work, or maybe people are spreading lies about you, or maybe things are just turning out wrong and everyone else seems to be getting away with it around you, that actually one day will, God will make all things right. So the question is this, how do we respond? And I think the question that comes up as soon as I read this is that I'm trying to work out if I'm a good fish or a bad fish, right? Yeah? I know what bucket I want to be in. Okay, so let's start there. How do we work that out? Well, I think there's a very common thought, okay, that we might think, well, I'm not perfect, but I, deep down, I am a good person. Have you ever thought that? I have. Okay. So what I would like to do is to just entertain me for a second here. We're going to explore this using the good person test. Okay. Prop number one. Okay. Now, okay, so this is the good person test, a very scientific exercise, okay? So, what I want to, I'm not going to put too many names on here, but imagine a really bad person, okay? So it could be like a dictator, it could be your baby brother, it could be any number of people, okay? Imagine, this is the evil, wow, okay? Um, <laughs> this is the evil good scale, okay? So they're going to be down here, okay? Now imagine Mother Teresa, okay? She's an amazing woman, isn't she? Yeah? 
This is a safe one, Mother Teresa. She's going to be up right up here on the good person test. Now, what about me? Well, I think I'm, I'm not quite down here, but I can't really get away with saying in front of you, many of you who know me, that I'm up here either. So I'm going to pitch myself somewhere in between. Now, what about Roscoe? <laughs> oh, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy, but he's not as great as me. So I reckon he's, he's just, just a smidgen there. But where would you put yourself on this? And look at the person next to you. Where would you put them? <laughs> but there you go. Because that would be like the fish swimming around saying, you're not as tasty as me, so you're going in the bad bin. It doesn't work like that. The fishermen know what is good or not. And it's in the same way that God doesn't judge us by comparing us to each other. This, his scale is right off here. And because, yes, we see evil in the world... But actually, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all done things that we're ashamed of and we, you know, we'd be happy if people didn't know about. And because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. And in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And the reality is that hell is a, is a real place. I believe that. And now, if I'm honest, when I was a kid, when I heard about wailing and gnashing of teeth, I had this idea that we were going to be bitten by dogs. I don't understand where that came from, but that's not what it's talking about. The wailing and gnashing of teeth, it's trying to capture something of the, of the, of the anger and the hatred and the suffering that characterizes existence in hell. That's death, a place that is truly without God. And so many people I've spoken to in my life would describe that their life is like that. It's almost like a living hell, and I've got a lot of sympathy with that. But you see... The good news is that hell is not somewhere that God sends us. It's somewhere that God saves us from. Because it says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's ultimately why he came. He came to save us. He came to die for us. Hallelujah. That's the good news that changed my life. It says this in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. And he doesn't want us to miss out on heaven. He wants us to get caught up in it, in his great rescue mission. The thing is, we need saving. We can't do it ourselves. We could never save ourselves. Only God could do that. But I love that. There's only one condition, and there's literally one. It's will we believe, will we choose him? And let heaven come crashing into our lives and transform us into a whole new person. So the question is not, are we good or bad? But have we been saved? Do we know that? And so Jesus promises that one day he will come back and he will make all things right. And sometimes I wonder, why hasn't he done that yet? And in, one, in 2 Peter, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So yes, he will judge, because he is God and he is good. But first and foremost, he wants us all to have the opportunity to come to him and receive the gift of eternal life. That's because he's so kind, and he loves us. So don't miss out get caught up. So my question tonight is this, have you made that decision to ask Jesus to save you? Do you know him as your saviour? Have you ever made that decision? So what about those of us 
who are Christians tonight? What about us? Well, I would still, I would still find myself asking this question, and based on what uh, I've just said, you might say, well, I know that I'm saved, so is that it? And to some degree, it is, but actually there's something more going on here. And that can be found when Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake. How does God advance his kingdom in the world? Through us. Through us. We're the net. The church is the net. And I think that's incredible. God wants to bring heaven on earth and he does it through us. By the power of his spirit, by his presence in us. Jesus is saying that that is what is happening right now. Bill Hybels, who leads a church in the States, is very famous for once saying that the local church is the hope of the world. And I absolutely believe that. The church is Jesus' plan A, and it might be messy, and it won't be perfect all the time, and we get things wrong, but it's his plan A. Because it's through us, it's through the church, that God spreads the good news of Jesus Christ and builds his kingdom on earth. So the kingdom is spreading out, and it's going to catch all sorts of people. So if you love Jesus, I think the question for us tonight is this. It's not, am I a good fish, or am I a bad fish, but am I part of the net? See, the net that the fishermen used would look like, prop number two, look like this. And this one's got little fish in it as well. How great is that? Yes, I know they're pegs. (laughs) This is a net that they would have used, okay? So it's lots and lots of pieces of string, rope, knotted and tied together. And I love this as a picture of what Jesus is saying here. Because as individuals, God does call us to be fishers of people. And maybe the mental picture we get of that is a lone man with a fishing rod, or a lone woman with a fishing rod. But actually, the bigger picture is that God is calling us to be part of a net, working together to catch all kinds of people. What happens if one of the strings is missing? The fish get through. Okay? And by yourself, by ourselves, we may see people come to know Jesus. On its own, a string, if it's attached to a rod, it might catch a couple of fish. I assume that's the theory of it anyway. But, together, what God is saying, that we are a net. And I love that statement that we have here as a church, which is to find your place, to fulfill your purpose. Every single one of us has a place. Every single one of us has a purpose. So maybe some of us are thinking, as I've often thought, but what can I do? Because I'm not a worship leader, I'm not a great evangelist, I find it hard to understand the Bible and my friends have questions that I can't even answer. I can't be like him or her. But I really want to encourage us tonight that actually every single one of us has been called by God to play a part in bringing his kingdom. And in the letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 12, Paul writes this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we have all been baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, 
it would not be any reason for it to be stopped being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, what would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, I absolutely love this. Because each one of us was made with talents and with gifts and with passions. And when we get connected to the body, when Jesus comes into our life, they come alive in a whole new way because they fit into the overall plan of what God wants to do in the world. And that is such good news. That he has a plan. It says, in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do you know that about you, that you are placed just as God wants you to be? I just think that's incredible. So maybe some of us don't know that. Or maybe we've just never heard that before. We don't know the, the unique calling that God has placed on our lives. You know, we all, I would love to take some time at the end to pray into that and to pray with you. You have a place. You have a purpose. Every single one of us has a part to play. And when we do, amazing things happen in the kingdom. I was thinking back over what God has done in, the, in our church in this last year. And we've seen recently, a couple of weeks ago, one guy who gave his life to Jesus. And he had got connected through the basketball team and then through that had started coming to church because he had been invited and because of the welcome that he'd experienced here, he came back again and again. And then two weeks ago, he gave his life to Jesus. And we were absolutely just so happy. We were absolutely ecstatic. Earlier in the year, there was a girl we met doing outreach at Manchester University Student Union Party. A couple of weeks later, she came to church. She was blown away by God, how, how, by how God spoke to her in the worship. And she gave her life to Jesus not long after. And there was another guy who started coming to the church three and a half years ago. Um, it was invited by a friend, had no uh, belief in God at all. But he just stayed because he felt welcomed. And over time, he got to know people. And after three years, he decided he was going to give his life to Jesus at Christmas. And I just love that because all these stories are completely different. They're not great acts of anything, but people faithfully serving, using the gifts that God has given them, all working together for the glory of God and seeing people come back to know Jesus, which is just, just so good. And there are so many more stories. So what I want to encourage us today is don't disqualify yourself. So we are the net, but it is God who does the sorting. And I love what it says in this passage, that they collected all kinds of fish. Now, not every person is the same. Not every person is going to believe all of the same things as us. In fact, if I asked all of you, you would have so many different opinions on different things. And do you know what? It doesn't matter. It's God that does the sorting. God calls us to bring people in. He'll do the sorting. Because that's what happens, isn't it? When God draws us in, he sorts us out. Now, that's been my experience anyway. The closer that I have got to God, the more he's been sorting me out. Now, I know that I'm not there yet, but I know that I've come a long way. And if you'd met me like three years ago or more, you'd be like, really? <laughs> yeah, really. Okay, and I was still going out and getting drunk all the time, and I had unhealthy relationships, and my relationship with my parents was estranged at best. But as God showed me more and more of his love and his kindness and his forgiveness... He started to change me. He drew me in and he started sorting me out. And my life is being slowly transformed and I pray that it will continue to be so. 
But it's so easy to fall into the trap that thinking that we're the ones that do the sorting out. And I've experienced that of church before, where if you don't conform to a certain idea of what a perfect Christian looks like, then you're not welcome. And actually, people get asked to leave the church. Now, I know that that is unlikely to happen here at Ivy, but it's something that we can subconsciously do. We can subconsciously sort people for ourselves. And it's really down to the people that we all decide that we all show love to or not show love to. Or the person that we see sitting by themselves and go and say hello to, or the person we see sitting by themselves and we don't go and say hello to. And it's, it's that, it's that moment where people miss out on the love of God. And so a couple of weeks ago, at the evening service, Anthony invited people here to sign up to join teams. And what I'd love to invite you to do that. If you consider that this is your regular place of worship, will you commit to joining one of the teams, whether the welcome team or the worship team, and email the office and find out how uh, you can get involved? Will you bind yourself to the net here and commit to what God is doing here at Ivy in the evening service? But whether we do or whether we don't, maybe we don't consider this as our regular service, let's have that attitude that wherever we are, that we know that God is calling people to himself and he wants to use us so that people don't miss out but get caught up in what God is doing through us. And I want to challenge us as well about whether we've committed financially. Because actually... The, one of the, the way that we're able to plan ministries here is through the regular giving and people who've made a commitment to giving regularly here at Ivy. And if you've done that, I just want to say a huge thank you. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we don't have faith. It's a faith-based budget and we have a stretch of 15% this year, which is really exciting. But it's a realistic budget based on what we know is going to come in over the course of the year. And so I want to ask you, have you committed financially to what God is doing through this church at Ivy to see more people find their way back to God. Now, I remember last year feeling so challenged to increase my giving here at Ivy, and it was uncomfortable, to say the least. But I remember being at the AGM and being so proud to be able to say, as we celebrated the lives of hundreds of people who come to know Jesus through this church, that I was a part of that. Don't miss out. Get caught up. So I want to finish with a story. Has anybody seen the film Dunkirk? Yeah? If you haven't, I really encourage you to go and see it. It's a very powerful film. So the film is about the evacuation of the Allied soldiers in World War II from the beaches and the harbour of Dunkirk in northern France between the 26th of May and the 4th of June in 1940. And the British troops were trapped on the beach, some 400,000 soldiers, representing the majority of the British army, but because of the shallow waters, the British destroyers couldn't actually get to the soldiers to get them out. And some soldiers were having to wait for hours and hours in shoulder-high water for these boats to come. And their plan to get them off the beach, was, they expected at best to be able to rescue about 30,000 soldiers, less than 10% of the army. But then on May the 27th, a call went out to all of the shipyards across the south of England in the River Thames, and they said, are there any boats who can go? All boats. And the nation answered. And in the space of a few days, 850 vessels, tugboats, sailing boats, pleasure boats, paddle steamers, all kinds of ships, sailed across the channel, and they rescued 338,000 soldiers. And in his speech to the House of Commons, Winston Churchill called it a miracle of deliverance. 
But that miracle happened because every single person brought what they had and said, count me in, and took a risk and stepped out. And because of that, they saw a great many people saved. And the course of the war was changed. Now, one boat by itself couldn't make much of a difference. But together, they made all the difference. So I wonder for us, what would it look like? What would it look like for us to realize that actually God has given us gifts and talents? That we have a part to play? What would happen if we stepped in to that and worked together? Using what God has given us that we would see a great many people get saved. I wonder what does that mean for us as a church? And I was thinking about that this week and I love that at the AGM in 2015, Anthony said that we are gonna be a church of lifeboats, not a cruise ship. And actually, I think God is, it's funny how God works, that that's where we find ourselves, that we had a big church, but actually now we're in a position where we have some lifeboats and I'm really excited for this next season that we're in, that actually, yes, there's going to be a new lifeboat here in Didsbury, and there's going to be one going to the academy, but actually in this next year or so, we're going to see a whole new load of churches planted and a whole load of new lifeboats sent out. And the thing is that on a lifeboat, there isn't space for passengers. If you're in the boat, then our job is to help more people get in. Every single one of us has a place. Every single one of us has a purpose. And so, yes, we are crying out for a miracle of deliverance. Yes, we're crying out, your kingdom come, let heaven come on earth, that we see, may see a whole, many, whole load of people saved in this city, in our nation. Now, there is an enemy, and he came to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come so that we can have life, and life in all its fullness, and he has the victory, and his kingdom is advancing. And the amazing thing is, that one day it will come in completion, but until that day, he says, will you be a part of what I want to do here? To see the blind healed, to see the brokenhearted bound up, to see the power of addiction broken, to see families transformed, to see the lonely put in families. And that's just the beginning. That's just the tip of the iceberg. God is at work. His kingdom is coming. Don't miss out. But get caught up in it. Roscoe, do you want to come up? Let's just take a minute and close our eyes. Jesus, I thank you that your kingdom is here right now. This is a living reality. Thank you that you're here with us, Jesus.
I think there's a number of uh, groups of us, different groups of us here tonight. And the first that I just would really want to speak to is maybe you're here tonight and um, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never made a decision to ask Jesus to come into your life. And actually, you would like to do that. And I just want to ask you, to ask yourself, is there a moment when you know that Jesus came into your life, when you asked him to come into your heart and you experienced something of heaven on earth and things began to change? In a minute, I'm going to pray. And if you're here tonight and actually you want to make that decision for the first time to turn away from sin and turn away from living life for yourself and to come to Jesus, I love that he says, there are no conditions. He says, whosoever will may come. Anyone who wants to come to him, he will not reject. And I wonder maybe if, actually, there might be some of us who, who have just feel like we've wandered far away. I really want to encourage you that Jesus wants to speak to you tonight and minister to you tonight and welcome you back and just fill your heart with the knowledge of his love again. And so if you're here tonight and you want to make that decision, in a minute I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and I would love to pray with you. And if you're here and you're like, you want to say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for coming to my rescue. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to know your love. Maybe you just didn't even know that God has an amazing plan for your life and he's given you great gifts and he wants to use that in his bigger purpose to see heaven come on earth. You're in for such an adventure. So if that's you tonight and you'd like to make that decision, then I'll just invite you to pop a hand now and I'd love to pray with you. to our rescue that you sent Jesus for us so that we could experience heaven on earth and an eternity with you in heaven Amen and there's, a, there's another group of us that I'd love to I feel like God wants to speak to tonight and actually as we were talking and preparing um, Roscoe had a picture um, which just really captured it really well, what I feel God was saying. And so, um, Roscoe, would you like to share that picture that you have? Yeah, of course. Um, so I had this uh, picture of an eagle sitting on a branch, and the eagle was alive, um, but it had been still for so long that there was dust all over its back and over its wings. Um, but in the picture, the eagle was shaken up, and the dust was falling to the ground. Mm. And what I felt God was saying was that there were people. Well, I, f- I felt like the church was about to go into a season where people who people have had gifts and have had promises over their lives that they haven't stepped into. Um, and it's been like an eagle that's been alive, um, but just hasn't been used. 
and it's just been gathering dust. But I feel like God's saying it's time to wake up and it's time to shake that off. Mm. Um, and it's time for the dust to fall to the ground. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's a word for the church. And I think that as, as, a, as Ivy Church, I think we're about to step into a point where we're going to be positioned for a place where we're ready to fly um, and step into something new. And I think what that means for us tonight um, is that you might have had gifts called out in you or you might have had promises put over you that you felt God was telling you things that you just haven't stepped into. And I think tonight we want to give you an opportunity to step into that and to remember remember promises, remember the gifts that you've had that you haven't used. Um, or maybe you had used, you have used them in the past and you felt it didn't, they didn't go anywhere, so you stopped. But I think now's the time to, to reawaken that. Um, so I don't know if that means anything to anyone here, um, but I really want to encourage you, if that is you, we'd love to pray over you. Um, yeah, and just encourage you. And we, I want, we want to extend that invitation to everyone as well. Mm. Just being part of the church, like Tim was saying, it's not, we're not here to be passengers. We don't want a cruise ship. We want lifeboats and everyone's part of the net and everyone has gifts. Everyone has something they can do. So don't sit there thinking, I can't do anything. So I'm not one of those people who had a gift. If you didn't, if you aren't serving, then you have a gift that you're not using. And you need, to, you need to hear that because you can serve. Everyone can serve. Everyone has something they can do. So feel encouraged. Be encouraged because you've got something that you can offer any church. And we'd love it if you could offer it to Ivy. Um, yeah. Well, what I'd love to do is um, just take some time to pray. And um, this is like a safe place um, and so just feel totally comfortable. But actually, if that word responded to you, and you, you, either you feel like you've never known the gifts that God has given you, and you just feel like you actually don't have any, then I'd love to pray for you. And if actually, maybe it's just been a long time, and for whatever reason, you feel maybe like the dust has begun to settle and you want to shake things up again, then we'd love to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask you to do something a little bit brave. But like I said, it's a safe place, so no one's going to be judging you, no one's going to be looking at you. But if, that respond, if you respond to that and you see that, then just I'd like to invite you to, to stand where you are. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.